Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. Sunny day here in Dayton. It is. It is. We're lucky. May 24th. That's when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, in the Dayton area, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm pretty sure I've had many people come up to me and ask, wait, what season is it again? <laughs> I'm confused. It's some, like, everybody was complaining. Where is spring? We had fifth winter, sixth winter throughout April. Just I know. Never quit. And then it just turned into summer, and it's really just been... Yeah. Hot and steamy. Fortunately, we're getting a little break in that now. Yeah. I mean, I'll take a pattern shift like that any day. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting uh, stat from the Dayton area is that our April ended up being the fourth coldest on record for us. And our May right now um, is the sixth warmest. But we have at least the rest of the month, either 10 degrees almost mm-hmm. <laughs> or more warmer than normal. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, def- we're definitely going to make that top five. Um, I will be interested to see where we end up. Yeah. We're in the record books already. And I know that I saw um, Eric must have looked back and we're warmer this May than we were in May 2012, which I believe we wound up going into a drought that yeah, year. Yeah, we did end up going into a drought. That was also the derecho year as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oof, let's see if there's any connections. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and then, of course, you know, we've got the warmer temperatures, we get more humidity, and of course, that means thunderstorms, and yes. that kind of transitions into our guest today. Very special guest we do have, Joey. Picka. Picka. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. He'll he'll correct us. He'll correct me in about two seconds. <laughs> Joey is a very special guest for us. We feel really lucky, actually, that he could take some time out of his busy schedule to talk to us here in Dayton, Ohio, because Joey works as uh, an Outlook and Mesoscale forecaster with the NOAA National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. This heart of our severe weather in the country. Uh, as a forecaster at the SPC, his primary duties include issuing outlooks, near-term forecasts for severe weather, fire weather, and winter weather across uh, the United States. Prior to his time at the SBC, Pickett was also a meteorologist at the National Weather Service in New York, New York, uh, where he supported operations for numerous high-impact events, such as Hurricane Sandy, uh, the Northeast Blizzard of February 2013. And additionally, he has trained numerous audiences across the country on the use of novel radar data for severe and winter weather operations. Joey, did we get your name right? Uh, it was very close. No! It was very close. I'll give you an A for effort. It's fine. <laughs> Nobody, it, it is extremely rare for folks to get it right. I learned that very quickly growing up, especially growing up in Irving, Texas, where there isn't a huge <laughs> Italian population. Oh. Um, so it, it is Pika. Pika! Uh, I'm a Zantini. Well, I was, I'm a tailor now, but I was a Zantini. That's I should have okay. known that. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to have to report back to the Italian consulate. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, no. welcome, Joey. It, it is a rarity. Oh, we're so happy to have you on as a guest. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. so excited to have this conversation with you and to teach our audience about the Storm Prediction Center because when we get into severe weather season in the Midwest and mm-hmm. a good portion of the country, 
whenever there's a threat for severe weather, you're going to hear your TV meteorologist talking about the risks. And we're always saying the Storm Prediction Center has placed us under a marginal risk or a slight risk. And I know back in the day, it was uh, the risks categories was geared towards the meteorologists and the people in the science Mm -hmm. fields. Mm -hmm. But now it's become more public. And can you talk a little bit about that transition? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been sort of, it wasn't uh, like somebody flipped a switch and just said, well, up until this point, you're going to be behind the scenes and then up or past this point thereafter, you're going to be fully public with all your products and your graphics and everything like that. It's been a gradual process, but just Mm -hmm. like the rest of the National Weather Service, of course, we recognize through the years the need to be able to provide more information, be open with more information, the forecast process, the forecast discussions, how we arrived at the categorical forecast. So the categorical being those colors you see on the map, the the slights, the moderates, so on and so forth. Um, so it, it is an interesting period. It's 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 challenging, but challenging in a good way. It means you're you're moving forward with your product offerings and the audience you're reaching out to because now uh, the way it is is that our products are very public. They are designed Mm -hmm. and they're still meant at their core to be for users in the emergency management community, FEMA, uh, media like yourself, Mm -hmm. um, and and folks that have a background in, in meteorology or have been trained on these products. But they're very publicly available. You can go straight to our website. Uh, you can see them on TV, as, as you guys may show them. And so uh, we, we faced the challenge, as I mentioned before, of how do we best maintain the core, the integrity of the products for our user base, but also try to make them more uh, understandable or available, digestible, however you want to describe it, for the public Mm -hmm. and a big part of that is really me being on with you guys right now going out uh, doing Mm -hmm. training outreach things like that and best practices so uh, we sort of express to the people who are the true communicators you guys uh, how best to express our products in in a way that the public says oh yeah i i get a feel for what my risk is today so they they take appropriate action yeah and that partnership is mm-hmm. a big deal. It is. You know, yeah. we take it seriously as well. Yeah. Now, um, it has been a journey, I'm sure, to get to the point where you are um, to mm-hmm. talk about uh, what we're going to be discussing as we head through the next 15 to 20 minutes. But how about you tell us a little bit about you? Where did this all start? You know, how young were you when you decided you liked weather and your travels up to the point where you are now? All right. Well, hopefully you don't lose any listeners along the way. Right? <laughs> you won't. I talk about my back on my spiel. But for, for those that are that are going to hang strong, uh, I'm originally, and I know this is going to come as a surprise to people who are here the way I speak right now, I am originally from Dallas, Texas. I know I sound <laughs> very little like a Texan. Yeah. Uh, we had a little informal internal ranking at the SBC. We have, out of the operational forecasters, we have six that are Texans. Uh, I came in dead last. Six of six. Um, The reason why my dad's actually from Italy, my mom is from New Jersey, which I happen to be in right now. I'm actually in the beautiful weather of Central New Jersey right at the moment. Clear sky is nice and dry. Yeah. Uh, But to get back to my background, so I grew up in Dallas, and Dallas, of course, is well versed in severe weather. Mm -hmm. They've had many high profile uh, weather events through the years. I remember growing up. 1995, we had the Mayfest. Uh, Mayfest is this big 
uh, outdoor event that they have in downtown Fort Worth or near downtown Fort Worth every every year. And Dallas, especially DFW, North Texas, it, while maybe – and certainly they've seen some higher-end tornadoes. Um, it's it's not, not quite as active tornado-wise as points farther north once you get into Oklahoma and Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the big events you see in the springtime down these big hailstorms. Mm-hmm. And we happen to see this big, big hailstorm move through and – uh, 1995 in May, and it hit this Mayfest uh, festival going on, and of course a lot of people were outside, and, and there it was a it was a big event uh, in DFW in terms of the impact, and really helped uh, usher in some big changes in the organization how they were prepared yeah, the festival sure. for severe weather going forward. And so as a kid, I think I was about 10 at the time, and and that really struck me as as a big event. In 2000, I was in high school and a tornado actually hit downtown Fort Worth. Mm. I was watching a TV and I flipped to the tower cam and there were just debris swirling past the oh tower my gosh. cam. And the on-air meteorologist who had been there a long, long time, David Finfrock for NBC5, mm-hmm. and who you know is a very steady voice and has been doing the weather on air there for a long time, was still even sort of taken aback by just, you go to the tower cam and wow, there it is live, a tornado going through downtown Fort Worth. Mm. So uh, going up, and seeing that, that, that struck me, and it, it made me more interested in wanting to learn about meteorology. And um, it, it was never, you know, some people, maybe yourselves, there's a, there's like a seminal event that was the event that made meteorologists or a certain meteorologists want to study the weather. For me, it was just a series of events and mm-hmm. growing up there, and I remember uh, getting uh, an acid rain test kit from my <laughs> from my parents. Yeah, as a gift. I, I remember those. Go and tell in first grade. Yeah, you dropped the tablet in. Yeah. I think we had already sort of removed acid rain as a as a problem by that point. <laughs> but still, we would collect the rain, uh, bring it to my first grade class, drop the tablet in, and confirm that it wasn't acid rain every time. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. Very exciting. Everybody held their breath. But uh, so, you know, it was sort of a series of things and I just I I enjoyed it. I I followed it. And, you know, it came time to start looking for colleges. OU was right up the road and uh, Twister had come out in the in the 90s. And so uh, OU was was tied into that. I remember Dusty, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, had the OU logo (laughs) on his hat and they were tied in sort of with NSSL. And so there was that, and I remember seeing that with my dad on the day it came out. Uh-huh. And so there were all these things, and I, I went up to visit OU, and they talked about how they are opening the National Weather Center facility, which is where I work now. Right. is located in the National Weather Center. And I immediately I knew that that's, that's where I want to go. That's where I need to be for, for college. So I went there uh, for undergrad and then grad school. I stayed there. Actually, the the guy I met my first day in my hallway, one of uh, my best friends, uh, this was in 2004, August of 2004, he, my very first day I met him, we stayed friends this whole time. He ended up actually uh, doing his graduate work um, in radar meteorology, and so when mm-hmm. it came time for me to find uh, an advisor for my graduate work, he roped me into it. <laughs> We've still been friends, and so that's how I got into radar meteorology was thanks to this guy, his name is Matt Cumgen, Dr. Matt Cumgen. He's now a professor up at Penn State. Wow. And I literally my first day on campus, he was in my hallway, and I met him. And that sort of just set me on this path in radar meteorology. So, I, you know, sometimes it's some combination of chance and the work you do. And so yeah. that's sort of how I see my, my career, at least at OU, and how I progress through my education. 
So then uh, it was in 2011-ish. I, I started getting the, the bug scratching at me. So <laughs> I was tinkering with a PhD um, and if I wanted to continue doing work. But a lot of friends were going into operational meteorology. They're getting jobs with the Weather Service. Mm-hmm. And that was always what, what drew me in. I always like telling non-meteorologists about the weather. I like you know, yeah. tell my mom what was it, even if she was hassling me and I had to tell her five times, you know, <laughs> no, it's not going to rain today. I, I still I enjoyed it. So, and I like to bring in sort of the complex, whether it be with radar or something else, down to a, a digestible level, something that folks could easily understand. So, mm-hmm. I was getting that bug scratching at me. Uh, you know, I want to go into operations in a position, a meteorologist intern, which is the starting level spot at National Weather Service forecast offices opened up at the New York, New York office, which is actually way out on eastern Long Island mm-hmm. in a little little village called Upton, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ties into me sitting in New Jersey right now and visiting my family up here. Uh-huh. Uh, so we have, of course, a lot of family up here. I've been to New York City several times. I thought, wow, this would be a really cool place to start. And I could see all my aunts and uncles and right. cousins, you know, have those big Italian feasts. Yes. Really. That was one of the things I was eyeing Yum. the most. Um, and so I applied for the position, and that was how I started in the Weather Service in 2011. And I was up here for Hurricane Sandy, several other events. And so that was quite, you know, or those were some really big moments and spinning me up in my career. And then about three and a half years ago, job opened up at the SPC back in Norman. And of course, I had the comfort level with Norman. And so right. made it on back, and I've been there, yeah, about three and a half years now. That's crazy. I think you've had a really interesting path. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, the level of education, if anyone's wondering, uh, Oklahoma is like the the end all be yeah. all of meteorology. It's programs. like the mecca. It's the mecca of like, if you're going to be a meteorologist, go there. Um, I've so. heard mecca describe it several times before. <laughs> yeah. The Weather Center also described it as a nurturing biosphere. Some people described it to me. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's where you want to be. So they're very, yeah. very impressive with all of your education. But, um, you know, you kind of just briefly touched on. Hurricane Sandy, I I do uh-huh. want to know, and I think sure. everyone wants to know, what was that like being, uh, what was your shift, I guess, at the time? Um, what was the office environment like, you know, kind of, was there like go a, back. Was there like a fear that settled in? Too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, it, w- it was um, impressive. I say impressive from a scientific perspective. Yes. Obviously it was, it, you know, it struck a lot of people and it was, it was painful to see a lot of the, the damage that that happened uh, during Sandy, whether it be from the surge, which caused, I believe, the majority of the, the damage and fatalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was, uh, you know, I, I got to Upton, so the New York office, in September 2011, and this was October, end of October 2012. So I had been in the weather service for all of just over one year at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first, you know real adult job out of grad school, basically. And, uh, you know, I I really, I spun up quickly. I had to, you know, I had Mm -hmm. seen some some sizable events. And when you're serving the tri-state area in New York City, you know, you got to keep your head on a swivel any day, not just uh, Hurricane Sandy. Of course, with Hurricane Sandy, you really got your head on a swivel. So that had prepared me a little bit. You know, the CWA, the county warning area that that specific office served, at about uh, 20 million or has about 20 million people in it. So it, it's a pretty demanding office to work at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was I was as ready as I think I, I maybe could have been as a young meteorologist intern, but 
the one thing that struck me and my shift, it was basically people serving shifts around the clock and mm-hmm. we get the cots set up, I remember, for either Sandy or Blizzards or you name it, yeah. sleep in the office. And it was all hands on deck. Pretty much everybody's there. Every workstation last computer is being shared or split because they're just such a flow of information at that point coming into the office that you're trying to organize, deliver, do things like that. So uh, we were, we were, you know, we were as ready as I think we could have been considering how anomalous of a storm it was. But I remember what, what struck me was, you know, I had been there for a year, just over a year. And I, I had my apartment there on the North shore of Long Island. And of course I, I want to make sure the friends that I had there were, were going to be okay. But you know, it's one thing where you've been there for just a little bit, and you don't know if that's the last place you're going to be in your career. You might be going to move yeah. somewhere else. But for a lot of people that have been at that office for many, many years, and that was the last stop, they had their families, their livelihoods, everything was settled in their home. Uh, and, and they're working during this event. And we're getting the reports in of, you know, this flooding, that tunnel flooding, uh, these homes washed away, the homes on Fire Island, wherever, you know, all the damaged trees down. And mm-hmm. it's just this. Uh, controlled chaos, basically, coming into the office. And, and I remember just taking a look around. You you look around at the other forecasters that are working. Again, the people that really have settled in. And they're, they're still they're just doing their jobs, and, and they're focused. And they're making sure forecast information is updated, that the decision support services for emergency management, New York City emergency management, uh, other uh, jurisdictions around our area, they, they were just doing their jobs and they're focused. All the while, you know, some of their homes may be threatened by right. flooding. You know, their families are, are still back at home and, and they have to stay focused on their job. And to me, I just remember thinking, wow, that, that takes so much courage to be able to stay focused on your job while that's going on in the background. Yeah. Um, and I was just amazed at, at the, the level of dedication and professionalism seeing you know, this, this around me. And so for me, I consider it so rare that I got a chance to witness that firsthand when I was up there. So I'll never forget it. That was, uh, and again, being only a year into the weather, right. being one of the, the worst hurricanes to, to, and storm systems to strike the Northeast in a long, long time. That was, that was something else. I certainly won't forget it. Yeah. That's, I mean, I couldn't imagine. I mean, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. You, you're right. You're just getting that constant flow of destruction, and mm-hmm. yeah. they got to keep doing their job yeah. because they're yeah. trying to prevent when more. When we get one thunderstorm in the area, I just remember, you know, it's a flood of information. The phone's ringing off the hook. People are reporting tree down, this right. down, wind damage. So you take this huge storm system that's just covering so much of the East Coast and it's amplified so 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 many times yeah uh, but i think the, the prep going into it you know we the fork it was really well forecast within a few days right um uh, by everybody we knew it was coming so we were able to spin up all of our partners so i think that did help at least in in getting everybody uh ready to go and 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 we were able to at least handle it a little bit better once we got into the the thick of the storm yeah. Of course, you and I were kind of like mouthing back and forth when you talked about 20 million <laughs> no pressure people that you're serving. Like Whoa. you probably didn't even realize like going into it. Right. That many, like just starting like the amount of pressure that would be put upon you in such sure. a highly populated area. forecast area. There's a lot of eyes and, and 
you know, it's a lot of eyes that are looking at that yeah. forecast. Mm. You hear about it when you're wrong. I, I, oh, I'm yeah. Sure <laughs> you guys do as well. I, you know, it's, you got to have thick skin as a meteorologist. You mm-hmm. know, people are going to let you know. You're going to hear the jokes. You're going to hear, oh, right. you get to keep you your get job. You get to be wrong. Yeah. Out of the time. Um, but it's it all comes with the territory. And, and you know, being in New York, the New Yorker is going to let you know. When oh, you're yeah. Wrong. They're going to be pretty blunt with you. <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, you, you learn from it. I remember yeah. one of my first shifts on the aviation desk there, and you're forecasting for Kennedy, Newark, LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. These are big-time airports. And uh, we had fog rolling the Kennedy, and Kennedy Tower called me up and said, you know, how long is this going to last? And I, it was one of my first aviation forecasts. I'm sweating bullets right. to answer this question. And, and I say, I think it's going to be a few more hours. And this is right in the afternoon when all the international flights come <laughs> yeah. out. Like, so it was um... a big time of the day. <laughs> And he goes, and he was fine with my answer. He said, okay, well, I just want to let you know you delayed about 20,000 people. And I, my <laughs> Click. I was like, oh, my goodness. We let the forecast be right. You get used to it fast. Yeah, I guess well, you kind of have to. I was just going to yeah. say, I mean, transition now, you're at the Storm Prediction Center yeah. where mm-hmm. you're, you know, 20 million. You're now just the whole country. It is the whole entire country. country. Yeah, no big deal. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, what is sure. that like on the scope of every day now? Your look, and it's it's not just, you know, the outlooks for severe weather, fire weather, mm-hmm. and winter mm-hmm. as well. You know, sure. so w- I guess what is that like? Do you just kind of tunnel vision and like block out like the, literally the United States is looking at your outlook bullseyes or, you know, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a hybrid. You, you definitely have to learn how to triage uh, and, and start with a big scope. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about sort of the forecast funnel process where you, you start big, you know, look at all across the country or even the hemisphere and see what the big scale patterns are across the country. And then you just start working your way down and start to hone in. Where am I seeing all the ingredients overlap? Moisture, instability, the wind. So where's the wind changing direction and speed with height? Where are they going to organize storms? Where are there uh, larger scale systems that might help focus storms? Things like that. And, and you get used to it in terms of, well, okay, here's, here's a specific area that looks like it's got most of the ingredients there, all the ingredients there. Let me let me focus on there. Um, okay, I, I also have this area and that area. You learn to uh, compartmentalize and 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 take a quick look around and, and move around. Now, the summertime poses the most challenge, by que- uh, or without question. I know yeah. the spring obviously gets a lot of the attention because the spring usually is when we see the big outbreak. Yeah. And so, of course, those are tough events, but the summertime. I talk about that heating, you know, that warm, moist air mass. That's when it's warm and moist everywhere. Right. So the really entire United States has a chance for thunderstorms. The and and the, the, fo- the, uh, the focus for the severe weather becomes a lot more diffuse uh, mm-hmm. frequently. So you're, you're really learning to look around, uh, moving your, your zoom around or however you're looking on your computer displays. Uh, so it, it's a hybrid. You, you get used to it. And I, being in New York, I really think it did help me sort of prepare a little bit or get used to sort of the constant um, constructive criticism that you may receive uh, SPC forecasts, especially the outlooks. Everybody's looking at them. Everybody's analyzing them. Everybody's got their two cents uh, when you, you know, if you happen to be on social media and you see how people are talking about your forecast afterwards. (laughs) Uh, So you you get used to it. Again, you develop a little bit of thick skin. But, um, you know, for me and all the forecasters there, we always do the same thing. If you know, it, it, 
we just you want to if you can explain your forecast at the end of the day and you have solid reasoning behind it um, and, and you feel comfortable with it that's that's, that's you, you know as do. good as we can mm-hmm. do and 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 so we we dig through as much data as we possibly can it's a team effort we have several meteorologists on the floor at any one time we're all talking about the forecast whether it be three days from now or three hours from now mm-hmm. uh, so we're all sharing ideas and 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 looking at these data together and coming to some uh, general consensus so you're there with a team you're not on an island you're not by yourself uh, that that makes it a lot easier uh, yeah. in terms of you know looking at the data especially somebody who hasn't been at the SBC quite as long you know I, I, when I have people who have been doing this for decades to, to rely on their experience that's that's huge that's, yeah. a, that's a huge benefit to me and because you're at such a broad level mm-hmm. like you're, you're the paintbrush you're mm-hmm. the paintbrush that's forecasting the whole country you're not going county by county, street by street, drawing your SPC sure. outlooks. So there has to be a relationship between you and the, at the SPC and the local level uh, National Weather Service. So how does that partnership work as far as watches and then warnings being issued by the local office? Yeah, because Sure. We keep a pretty fluid um, system or we have a pretty fluid system in place where, you know, we're, we're constantly in discussion with local forecast offices, uh, you know, the, the general idea is we provide guidance on severe weather uh, where we're expecting the different hazards being tornadoes, damaging straight line winds and, and large hail. And, and they use that as well as media and emergency management community and so on and so forth for guidance on, on what to expect. And then they can um, enhance that forecast mm-hmm. by uh, providing even more detailed uh, or more details regarding timing, mm-hmm. regarding specific locations, answering questions from their local partners, so their emergency management, their media, uh, their public, so on and so forth. So we, whether it be operations or whether it be development work heading into a, a new severe weather season or during the cooler months in the winter when we're not dealing with quite as much severe weather of course severe weather can strike any time of year right uh, but we we have these moments where things aren't quite as busy so uh we can uh, we are always in touch with all with regards to presentations on uh, new services we're providing uh looking for feedback from them on how we can better serve them uh so we're, we're always looking for ways in which we can better provide that higher level guidance that then feeds down to the local forecast offices and then once we get into the operational side of it, so the event, uh, we have internal uh, collaboration tools or chat tools where we can uh, p- bounce an idea off of them. Maybe if we're 50-50, oh, should I upgrade this forecast? Should I downgrade this forecast? Let's see uh, if they have any thoughts at the local level, if, if they've seen anything. Um, so we're, we're in constant contact uh, with with forecast offices uh, in terms of both our development and our operations to, to really provide a severe weather forecast that that is usable, that provides actionable information. At the end of the day, we're all trying to provide something that helps mm-hmm. save lives and property. Mm-hmm. And so if it's actionable for the FO, then they can provide actionable details to their local partners, and it, it makes this a, a much more seamless process and a much more effective process with that. So uh, we we frequently are in communication with the forecast offices. I think that's I mean that's great and just it is very very important, of course, mm-hmm. to keep it fluid, but to keep it as as helpful and life saving as as possible. Um, sure, sure. Kind of transitioning with that, um, is there an outlook 
that you worked on that did verify um, that maybe you remember did lead or you know did pan out and, and ended up being a severe weather event that just as a forecaster and as a meteorologist I mean I remember forecasts that we do that pan out and they do produce tornadoes that afternoon and you're just ugh. You know, your, yeah. your heart kind of breaks because you know that you're right, but you know that it's wrong because exactly. it's just really sad or can be very destructive. So is there one that sticks out to you that you guys maybe in the whole office was buzzing about and it did pan out to be a big event? Sure, sure. It's, uh, you know, we there are, are several that, that we can, uh, that you know, in my at least relatively short career so far at the SBC, and, and you touched on a point there, which is it's sort of at the crux of, uh, struggle sometimes we deal with with these higher end scenarios. It's the same thing with Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want your forecast to be right, but you know, if it's right, there's a good chance that that means you know houses may be uh, may be uh, damaged or destroyed, or people may be hurt. And you, of course, don't want to see that. Um, you try to frame it in your mind. Well, if you get the forecast right, more people are ready for it. More people mm-hmm. are protected and, mm-hmm. and may have been hurt otherwise. Uh, this has been at the SPC, a few uh, at least more recent examples. Unfortunately, this, this year has been, relatively speaking, of course, we still had some bigger events, but mm-hmm. relatively speaking, has not been particularly uh, prolific tornado-wise, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, earlier this year, we had a, a, a tornado, an EF3 in uh, Jacksonville, Alabama, uh, that hit actually Jacksonville State University down there. Mm-hmm. And it was it was well forecast running from several days out and you know we ended up seeing um, a few stronger tornadoes down there including the one that hit uh, Jacksonville State and we have this new relatively new tool now on radar new capability we can even occasionally see the debris being lofted by by the radar so even sometimes without uh, eyes on the ground to say yes there's a tornado the radar is telling you yes there's a tornado there and I remember I was on ship that evening and you're seeing this we call it a tornadic debris signature you're seeing this tornadic debris signature show up on radar right as it's going through Mm -hmm. Jacksonville and you think oh you know it, it you wonder what information is going to come out on the other side and mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you're worried, but at the same time, you know, you're, we have a, a job at hand, a duty to keep updating the forecast and, mm-hmm. and stay focused on providing the information. So you, you have to, you, you know, you, you have to be able to uh, stay focused on your main duty as best as possible, you know, and at the end, the end of the day, everybody's human. So you're still going to, of course, feel for, what may be going on, and, and it's tough to, to watch that. Fortunately, in this case, um, while there was significant damage, uh, there were no fatalities. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of that may be attributed to, they. I think they had just left for spring break at the Oof. university, so there weren't many people there <laughs> right. at the time. Um, but part of it, too, was um, the, the process just seemed to work. It was, yeah. we, we had a pretty good beat on it several days out. We were in communication with the local offices. Uh, we were getting the forecast spun up there. They were able to message it properly to people down there uh, in the local area, whether it be in Alabama or Georgia, and 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 it worked. The system worked. It's a sort of integrated system. It worked from top down, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, as best as, as or close to as good as it could have. There are always things, always things we can keep working on. Um, so that's what you want to see. You know, yeah. when you when you come out of it is is you know, you, you can feel you can feel satisfied with the, with what you did, and 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 as part of a broader team in the weather enterprise, from the SPC to the local offices to the media to the emergency management. So, 
when you're when you're faced with that catch 22 of you know, do you want to see this forecast work out but you know what maybe that means in terms of your mm-hmm. forecast working out you, you frame it in your mind of okay we're going to message it well we're going to we're going to be on top of it and, and hopefully that enhances readiness to a level where you know you, you really were helping a lot of people there yeah so if um, people are going to find their way to the Storm Prediction website and they find the daily outlooks, I mm-hmm. think there is a little confusion when people look at the outlooks and you guys separate out uh, percentage for tornado, hail, and wind. Can you talk a little bit about what the percent is? Yeah. Sure, sure. So our percentage, what when you, when you first show up on our website, you'll, you'll see sort of the overview image and it shows our categories, so the levels of severe weather threat well what kind of threat are we trying to convey in that area on that day uh and what what is going on behind the scenes if you will how the sausage is made uh I, you know i guess i'm italian i guess yes, so, yeah, uh, but how, how that's all working behind the scenes is we forecast these probabilities as you mentioned for individual so the different severe weather hazards individually being tornadoes damaging straight line winds and large hail and so based on the probability that we give each of those potential hazards, so the, the threat we see from each of those hazards, that, that drives the, the main outlook, the, mm-hmm. the names, the marginal slights, uh, enhanced mo- or moderate and high risk. Um, and so with those probabilities, what, what we're looking at and, and what we're actually forecasting is we're saying that's the probability uh, for that specific period of time that we're forecasting for that you see, let's say if it's a 5% tornado uh, risk, we say in your area is a 5% uh, tornado risk. And what that means is within any point in that area, so let's say where you live, your house, your neighborhood, within 25 miles of your house um, in any direction, uh, that is the probability that there's going to be a tornado. That's our forecast probability. Of course, it's still forecast. It's right, not right. Uh, a saying there's, that is, you know, uh, the, the, uh, that is the probability, and it is set in stone, and that's what it is. Right. Uh, but that's our forecast of it. And so, you know, probabilities, uh, it, it's an interesting, um, again, with our forecast being more public, um, it's, it's an interesting period of time where, you know, not everybody's a statistician, and we right. don't expect that. Far from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a little more higher level of a forecast than then you know your basic well here's your high and low for the day and, and here's right. the expectation of rainfall so what what we sort of suggest and the way we try to frame it to to media or ems or uh, people who are more directly communicating with the public every day one-on-one is you know take a look at what your risk is for that day based on history you know look at the last 30 years and what or how many tornadoes have there been within 25 miles of your house um, on that specific day of the year, and you say on any one day your risk is 0.5%, let's say. Let's say uh, on a particular day in, in Dayton, Ohio, based on the time of year, it's 0.5%. And we can, we can figure that out. We can go back and look at, at history and say mm-hmm. how many times yeah. has there been a tornado within 25 miles of Dayton, Ohio. Okay, that gives us sort of this baseline probability. And you can say maybe on this one day it's been 0.5%. And then let's say we come in and for a particular or on that day, let's say this year, we say there's a 5% probability of a tornado. So how that or what that then means framed in sort of this uh, historical sense is Mm -hmm. that your risk of seeing a tornado within 25 miles of your house is 10 times greater than on a typical day because 0.5 times 10 gives you five. 
And so that we feel like, and based on feedback, what we've heard from the social science community and talking to folks and, uh, and talking to media, seems to resonate more with with people. You know, they, they yes. can get a better feel like, oh, wow, my, my risk of there being a tornado not too far away from me is is considerably greater. Right. They like to, if we frame it in, okay, there's, it's 10 times higher than just any, uh, you know, a random day that time of year. Um, and that, at the end of the day, we want to be able to convey the threat in a way where people uh, from several days out are getting prepared, they're going over their preparedness uh, or their plans. You know, they, you should have a plan really before the season starts right? Um, in terms of severe weather, but then they're going over their plan. They're making sure based on everywhere I'm going to be during the day, whether it be on the road, going to work, at work, at home, where are your kids? Are they at school? Are they about to leave school? Mm-hmm. All these steps through the day, what are you going to do if a warning is issued for your area? So to, to take it on in from having the plan, reviewing the plan, to putting the plan into action, you know, if we can convey that threat better, yeah. people are more going to want to take those steps. They, they, they're going to understand the threat better, and, they're, and you know, they, they're going to be able to, to, to be ready when severe weather strikes. I think that's great. And that is a very good way of putting it because sometimes if you're not thinking about it in that sense and you just see 5%, you're like, well, that's not a high percentage. Yeah, you're like, what? And we have to be like, no, no. It's kind of a big deal. It kind of is a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. I'll mention, too, because people may say, uh, media or whoever, uh, uh, you know, well, I that's, you know, you expect me to do some data finding mission and go all through time and look at all the different <laughs> times there have been tornadoes. No, I, I completely understand that as well. And we understand that SPC. So actually on our page, on the front page, if you go right down below our sort of overview map, we have this changing map, the scrolling map, and it's always updated for the, the that specific day of the year. Yeah, so the cl- say you can find the 24th of May and it gives you a severe weather climatology yes. across the entire U.S. And you can click on tornado, hail or wind and you can see what is for that particular day, just the background, the, the typical right. risk of a tornado. And so you can compare our forecast to that and get that idea of how many times greater is the threat. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, really, really, uh, like you said, it's a digestible way to think about it. Um, exactly. Another question for you, and this is something, I mean, McCall and I talk about it, our whole weather team does, um, you know, meteorology and and being a meteorologist and and forecasting it can be it is a very I think humbling job um (laughs) because it's just I I feel like the more you learn the more you know we're just continuing to learn like the atmosphere it's like digging a hole of like (laughs) never ending we learn and then we we keep learning and there's more things that we're uncovering and then you're just realizing right we're getting deeper (laughs) we just there's no bottom um so yeah we always kind of just talk about that so um from your perspective especially being um at the SBC office, you guys do keep track of your outlooks and how they verify and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what is it like working in a profession that can be very humbling and that you just really can't, you can't get a big head about what you're doing. Right. You very right. quickly could get put in your place, kind of. At least the atmosphere does that to us. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you, you put it into words probably better than I can, but humbling is the best way to put it. And it's, you know, you don't want to be on a roller coaster. Pretty much, um, you you want to keep things nice, nice and steady. You can quickly go on the roller coaster if you want when you're forecasting the weather, um, because you're one day you may look at the forecast at the end of the day and, and feel pretty good about yourself and say, yeah, I I did well, and that's okay. You know, right. we, we do want to feel good when when the forecast works out pretty well, but you can't let that make you complacent. You mm-hmm. can't let that sort of 
slacken your analysis the next day, digging into the data the next day and say, well, I, I have a good beat on this on the storm system. I, I got the forecast uh, pretty pretty good yesterday. So, you know, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a groove. Uh, and then, especially again in the summertime, like we talked about before, yeah. uh, the forecast knows how to, or excuse me, the atmosphere knows how to really slap you over the head and say, <laughs> oh, I got many tricks up my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it, it, it is such a complex system. Uh, yeah. There are so many things. And for as far as the science has advanced and continues to advance, and it's amazing how far it's come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we alluded to before, the more you know, the more you realize you don't I know. know. Uh, and you got to let that drive you to yeah. continue to analyze information and then, and look at more information and, and both on the physical side, the physical sciences, and also how to communicate that better on the social mm-hmm. side as well. Um, because not only is the atmosphere complex, the audience receiving the <laughs> right, information yeah. is complex as well. So we're, we get it from both sides, really. So you just can't be complacent. And, you know, on the flip side, when the forecast doesn't pan out, it doesn't work out quite like you expected it to. Uh, I know up in your neck of the woods, and I was on shift the the morning uh, and day that this went down in August of 2016, um, that was, you know, that was was a tough day. Uh, You had several, uh, many tornadoes really up there that day. And and events like that where it's, more than what you anticipated right. mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't let that get you down you you have to look at it and say what did we miss you got to find time to look back at those events and, and say what were the clues what were the context clues leading into it mm-hmm. how can we be more aware of these in the future how can we communicate it better in the future so if you take that philosophy from both sides and you know try to keep an even keel that's that's the, the, the best you can do. A lot of that comes with experience for anybody in meteorology, not just the SBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you really you learn better to, to keep that uh, steady hand as best you can so you're providing the most consistent best forecast day in and day out. Yeah, I'd have to say that, you know, you need the good days to yes. offset the bad days, but the bad days mm-hmm. are the days that you're learning. Yeah, and you don't. And yeah, that's what's going to make you the better forecast. The next time Absolutely. around, hopefully you're going to catch that yeah. information. And what's great Absolutely. about our community is we're all trying to learn from each other. I know that, right. um, you know, I saw one of your talks a year ago, and mm-hmm. I love telling people things that I learned from you about radar meteorology because you are very smart when it comes to the radar and i know we're always updating and i've just confused i've just fooled you it was like a jedi (laughs) no i'm not i'm not kidding (laughs) our most recent event that we had had produced some hail and there were signatures that look like rotating signatures with the storm but i learned Mm -hmm. from you to look at the where's the rotation in reference to where the storm is and what Mm -hmm. i was noticing is it was uh doing something with the radar beam and causing these false rotations because they weren't Uh, placed in the right right spot Mm -hmm. um and so that's something that in the past i may have not recognized but was able to learn from you and you know and hopefully we all continue to learn and grow as as this community yeah absolutely we're always you know i'll i'll touch on this real quickly and say you know one of the best things or one of the best opportunities i had on long island when i was at the new york forecast office I got to meet um, uh, the, and now past, but he was 
over he was already over 100 years old at the time. Uh, his name was Richard Hendrickson. He was a co-op observer. So he, he took daily observations way out in Bridgehampton, Long Island, way out. He spent the Long Island on his family farm. He'd been doing it for over 80 years every wow. day, taking observations. He was the longest-running uh, cooperative observer in the history of the National Weather Service. The 80-year award is now named after him for his, his achievements. He was an amazing individual. And I remember we got to go out there a couple times and interview him and, and talk to him. We did all these stories about him. He was a wonderful man. And he left me with words all you know, always carry with me. And he said, you know, nobody knows everything. He said, you're always learning and you always got more to learn. And this is a guy who's been Mm -hmm. watching the weather on his farm for over 80 years. And he's telling me that, you know, and it just is, I can hear his voice still saying it. He was a, he was a wonderful uh, man, a common sense guy. And, and that's, that's the truth for all of us. We're always learning. And again, goes back to, you can't be complacent. You have to you have to look at the misses and try to learn from it and realize when you get it right, well, you got it right, but there's probably some stuff you could still learn from that too and you, yes. you got to keep moving forward. Oh, wonderful. Joey, this was an awesome interview. Yeah. Um, I, uh, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us, um, you know, here in good old Dayton, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> we really do appreciate you taking your time of out course. and you're, jer- you're enjoying Jersey, so I hope you continue yeah, to enjoy yeah. that as well while you have some time. Not- enjoying new jersey but i <laughs> promise me there are pretty spots in new jersey or, i promise you there are pretty spots in new jersey we believe you but thank you so much joey we may be calling you again you never know maybe towards the end Sounds of summer good. do another catch up with you and and of your uh, time in the storm prediction center for this summer so thank you joey all right thank you so much take care bye-bye that was a fantastic interview with Joey. I know. Mind blown. I know. I met him a year ago, and yeah. he's just so smart, and I knew he'd be such a great guest if he would agree to it. Yes. And you know what? I hope that he was able to teach you because, like you shared, McCall, he's taught you a few radar tricks which mm-hmm. you've passed down to me, which yes. I've passed. You know, and that's how it goes. You just keep learning in, the, in this in this environment. So, um Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview as much as we did recording it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to give you a quick uh, little bit of astronomy because May is a pretty good month. Uh, we Remember, we recorded this May 24th, so you've got a little bit of time to get out and enjoy this planet. It's Jupiter. Jupiter's king in the month of May. And uh, May 26th through the 28th, it's actually very close to the waxing gibbous moon. So the moon's getting bigger um, during those evenings. You want to look to the southeastern sky around dusk. And find the moon first, and then you will see a very bright-looking star nearby. That's actually the planet Jupiter. May 27th is going to be by far the easiest way for you to find Jupiter because they're going to be right next to each other. And keep in mind, the full moon for May is May 29th, and it is considered the flower moon. Hmm. Remember, the moons are always named something. You know, back in the farmers and all the olden times, uh, off of whatever's going on in that month. So I'm going to say, and I'm just assuming, which I shouldn't do, <laughs> flower moon, May, May flowers. Yeah. So we get a lot of bloom for our flowers. So I'm going to say that's probably why it's called that. You're probably right. I won't eh, look up. We'll go. Don't I'll, look it up. Don't call me up. out. <laughs> or you could call me out. I don't care. That's all right. <laughs> now, as we turn from May into June, we've got a couple more planets that we can see in the sky. Moon, Saturn, and Mars will take over uh, before dawn in the beginning of June. From June 1st to June 3rd, Mars and the Moon, then Saturn, will line up like uh, from left to right in the early morning sky. On June 1st, the Moon will be the closest to Saturn. By June 3rd, it will be closest to Mars. And you should be able to see them, like Kirsty said, they're going to look like bright stars mm-hmm. next to the Moon. And then sunset in Dayton finally hits 9 o'clock. Oh. Woohoo! On June 3rd, I'm so excited. Yeah. 
And that's sunset. Yeah. There's still twilight after that. There's still twilight, right. It doesn't go completely dark at that point. I know. So live it up and enjoy while you can. We have been enjoying a very warm month of May. I can't wait to see where we finally stack up. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys for finding Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. Remember, you can always listen to us on uh, Google Play, on Stitcher, on WHIO.com's on-demand radio page, and also if you have your iPhone right on the iTunes app, there is our podcast app that has the podcast on it. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, to write a review, and to rate the podcast. McCall and I are always on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. So if you have a weather question, we felt this podcast was pretty informative in general. Yeah. Um, but we like to do those teachable moments. So if you have any weather questions that are, are burning inside of you, send them to us and we'll answer them. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.